Frederick discovers that he truly is a slave of duty when a certain paradox turns his world upside down. W.S. Gilbert, today on the Classic Tales Podcast. Welcome to the Classic Tales Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are proudly supported by our listeners. Many, many thanks to our financial supporters who pitch in every month to help keep us a-going. If you enjoy the show, please sign up to be a supporter for as little as $5 a month. We'll give you a monthly coupon code for $8 off any audiobook order. Give more and you get more. Go to classictalesaudiobooks.com and become a financial supporter today. Thank you so much. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. And if you prefer listening on YouTube, our channel is now up to date. I hope you enjoyed the healthy sampling of The Man in the Brown Suit by Agatha Christie. I was so honored that Nancy asked me to be a part of it. If you'd like the whole audiobook, you can use your coupon code and purchase it at our website. And if you're looking for plays that have also received the audiobook treatment, I've created a new category on the website, Play Adaptations. If you have a play you'd like me to adapt, or other title suggestions, feel free to send me an email through the website at classictalesaudiobooks.com. And now, The Pirates of Penzance, Part 2 of 2, by W.S. Gilbert. There was a ruined chapel. Seen by the light of the moon, for it was the dead of night, pillars and arches were separated by great aisles, with ruined Gothic windows at the back and crumbled stone at the front. And weeping copiously in the middle of all this was an old gentleman. It was Major General Stanley. He was surrounded by his daughters, who were trying, unsuccessfully, to cheer him up. They sang him a gentle song. Oh, dry the glistening tear that dews that martial cheek. Thy loving children here, in them thy comfort seek. With sympathetic care their arms around thee creep, for, oh, they cannot bear to see their father weep. Mabel spoke up. Dear father, why leave your bed at this untimely hour? When happy daylight is dead, and darksome dangers lower? See, heaven has lit her lamp, the midnight hour is past, and the chilly night air is damp, and the dews are falling fast. Dear father, why leave your bed when happy daylight is dead? Oh, dry the glistening tear, etc., etc., the girls join in. Frederick has heard the din, and comes closer. Oh, Frederick, said Maybell. Cannot you, in the calm excellence of your wisdom, reconcile it with your conscience to say something that will relieve my father's sorrow? I will try, dear Mabel, said Frederick. But why does he sit, night after night, in this drafty old ruin? Why do I sit here? said the Major General. He stood and explained. To escape from the pirate's clutches, 
I described myself as an orphan, and heaven help me, I am no orphan. I come here to humble myself before the tombs of my ancestors, and to implore their pardon for having brought dishonour on the family escutcheon. But you forget, sir, said Frederick. You only bought the property a year ago, and the stucco on your baronial castle is scarcely dry. Frederick, said the Major General, in this chapel are ancestors, you cannot deny that. With this estate, I bought the chapel and its contents. I don't know whose ancestors they were, but I know whose ancestors they are. And I shudder to think that their descendant, by purchase, if I may so describe myself, should have brought disgrace upon what, I have no doubt, was an unstained escutcheon. Be comforted, said Frederick. Had you not acted as you did, these reckless men would have assuredly have called in the nearest clergyman and married your large family on the spot. I thank you for your proffered solace, but it is unavailing, said the Major General. I assure you, Frederick, that such is the anguish and remorse I feel at the abominable falsehood by which I escaped these easily deluded pirates, that I would go to their simple-minded chief this very night and confess all. Did I not fear that the consequences would be most disastrous to myself? At what time does your expedition march against these scoundrels? At eleven, said Frederick, and before midnight I hope to have atoned for my involuntary association with the pestilent scourges by sweeping them from the face of the earth, and then, dear Maybell, you will be mine. Are your devoted followers at hand? asked the Major General. They are. They only wait my orders. Then, Frederick, said the Major General, let your escort lion-hearted be summoned to receive a general's blessing, ere they depart upon their dread adventure. Frederick perked up his ears. Dear sir, they come. And in fact, they did. An incredible line of police, marching in single file, and they sang as they marched. The sergeant sang the lines out to them, and all of the policemen chanted Tarantara, Tarantara, in between each line. And thus the sergeant led on his policemen. When the foeman bears his steel, we uncomfortable feel, and we find the wisest thing is to slap our chests and sing Tarantara. For when threatened with mutes, and your heart is in your boots, there is nothing brings it round. Like the trumpet's martial sound, like the trumpet's martial sound, tarantara, tarantara, etc. Mabel approached them. Go, ye heroes, go to glory. Though you die in combat gory, ye shall live in song and story. Go to immortality, go to death, and go to slaughter. Die, and every Cornish daughter with her tears your grave shall water. Go, ye heroes. Go and die. The policemen were not super enthusiastic to take on Mabel's exhortation to go and die, but they kept a brave face and saluted and looked to Mabel's sisters for support. The sisters said, Go ye heroes, go and die, go ye heroes, go and die. And the policemen, still marching, took a deep breath 
and the sergeant continued with the Tarantara bit. Though to us it's evident that these attentions are well meant, Tarantara, such expressions don't appear calculated men to cheer, Tarantara, who are going to meet their fate in a highly nervous state. Still, to us it's evident these attentions are well meant, Tarantara, Tarantara. Go and do your best endeavour, said Edith. And before all links we sever, we will say farewell forever. Go to glory and the grave. And the rest of the sisters chimed in. For your foes are fierce and ruthless, false, unmerciful and truthless, young and tender, old and toothless, all in vain their mercy crave. The sergeant observed, We observe too great a stress on the risks that on us press, and of reference lack to our chance of coming back, Still, perhaps it would be wise not to carp or criticise, for it's very evident these attentions are well meant. And the police agreed with him. Yes, it's very evident these attentions are well meant. Evident, yes, well meant, evident. Ah, yes, well meant. And everyone except the police sang, Go and do your best endeavour. Appear, and before all links we sever, we will say farewell forever. Go to glory and the grave, for your foes and fierce and ruthless, false, unmerciful and truthless, young and tender, old and toothless, all in vain their mercy crave. And at the same time the police were trying to give them the benefit of the doubt once again. Such expressions don't appear calculated men to cheer, Tarantara, who are going to their fate in a highly nervous state, Tarantara. We observe too great a stress on the risks that on us press, and of reverence alack to our chance of coming back, Tehran, Tehran. And the Major General got their attention, shouting, Away! Away! Yes, yes, we go, said the police, but they didn't move at all. These pirates slay, Tehran, Then do not stay, the police replied, Tehran, Then why this delay? All right we go. Yes, forward on the foe. Yes, forward on the foe. Yes, but you don't go. We go, we go. And all the police shouted, Yes, forward on the foe. Yes, forward on the foe. Yes, but you don't go. We go, we go. At last they go. At last they really go. And the police finally go. Mabel in tears tore herself away from Frederick and ran off. Her sisters all followed her, hoping to give her some consolation. The Major General and all of the rest of them followed the police off, and Frederick remained alone. Now for the pirate's lair, said Frederick, seizing the chance for a monologue. Oh, joy unbounded! Oh, sweet relief! Oh, rapture unexampled! At last I may atone in some slight measure for the repeated acts of theft and pillage, which, at a sense of duty's stern dictation, I, circumstances victim, have been guilty. Young Frederick. Who calls? And Frederick turned around and saw that there was the pirate king and Ruth, and the pirate king was covering him with a pistol. Your late commander, said the pirate king, and I, your little Ruth who covered him also with a pistol. 
Oh, mad intruders! How dare ye face me? said Frederick. Know ye not, O rash ones, that I have doomed you to extermination? The pirate king and Ruth moved in closer and held a pistol to each of Frederick's ears. Have mercy on us, hear us, ere you slaughter, said the pirate king. I do not think I ought to listen to you, said Frederick. Yet mercy should alloy our stern resentment, and so I will be merciful. Say on. And Ruth put up her pistol, and got closer, and told him what had happened. When you had left our pirate fold, we tried to raise our spirits faint, according to our custom old, with quips and quibbles quaint. <laughs> but all in vain, the quips we heard, we lay and sobbed upon the rocks, until to somebody occurred a startling paradox. A paradox? <laughs> a paradox! A most ingenious paradox, continued Ruth. We've quips and quibbles heard in flocks, but none to beat this paradox. A paradox, a paradox, a most ingenious paradox. <laughs> we knew your taste for curious quips, went on the pirate king, for cranks and contradictions queer, and with the laughter on our lips we wished you there to hear. We said if we could tell it him, how Frederick would the joke enjoy, and so we've risked both life and limb to tell it to our boy. That paradox, said Frederick, gaining interest, that paradox, and the pirate king and Ruth laughed, that most ingenious paradox, we've quips and quibbles heard in flocks, but none to beat this paradox, a paradox, a paradox, a most ingenious paradox, ha, 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 ho, 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 ho and the pirate king explained the wonderful paradox. For some ridiculous reason, to which, however, I have no desire to be disloyal, some person in authority, I don't know who, very likely the astronomer Royal, has decided that, although for such a beastly month as February, twenty-eight days as a rule are plenty, one year in every four, his days shall be reckoned as nine and twenty. <laughs> Through some singular coincidence, I shouldn't be surprised if it were owing to the agency of an ill-natured fairy, you are the victim of this clumsy arrangement, having been born in leap year on the twenty-ninth of February. And so, by a simple arithmetical process, you'll easily discover that though you've lived twenty-one years, yet if we go by birthdays, you're only five and a little bit over. <laughs> said Ruth. <laughs> said the king. Dear me, said Frederick. Let's see. And he counted on his fingers. He only had to go up to five. Yes, yes, with yours my fingers do agree. <laughs> Frederick was the most amused of all. How quaint are the ways of paradox at common sense she gaily mocks, though counting in the usual way, years twenty-one I've been alive, yet reckoning by my natal day, yet reckoning by my natal day, I am a little boy of five. He is a little boy of five. <laughs> a paradox, a paradox, a most ingenious paradox. <laughs> and Ruth and the pirate king had to sit down. They were exhausted with laughter. Upon my word, said Frederick, 
This is most curious, most absurdly whimsical. Five and a quarter? No one would think it to look at me. You are glad now, I'll be bound, that you spared us, said Ruth. You would never have forgiven yourself when you discovered that you had killed two of your comrades. My comrades, said Frederick. The pirate king rose. I'm afraid you don't appreciate the delicacy of your position. You were apprenticed to us until I reached my twenty-first year. No, until you reached your twenty-first birthday. And he produced a document. And going by birthdays, you are as yet only five and a quarter. Frederick's eyes grew wide. You don't mean to say that you are going to hold me to that? No, said the Pirate King. We merely remind you of the fact, and leave the rest to your sense of duty. Your sense of duty, said Ruth. Don't put it on that footing, said Frederick. As I was merciful to you just now, be merciful to me. I implore you not to insist on the letter of your bond, just as the cup of happiness is at my lips. We insist on nothing. We content ourselves with pointing out to you your duty. Your duty, said the Pirate King. Well, said Frederick, after a pause, you have appealed to my sense of duty, and my duty is only too clear. I abhor your infamous calling. I shudder at the thought that I have ever been mixed up with it. But duty is before all. At any price I will do my duty. Bravely spoken, said the Pirate King. Come, you are one of us once more. Lead on, I follow. And suddenly he was all a tremble. Oh, horror! What is the matter? Ought I to tell you? said Frederick, his mouth agape. No, no, I cannot do it. And yet, as one of your band— Speak out, said the Pirate King. I charge you by that sense of conscientiousness to which we have never yet appealed in vain. General Stanley, said Frederick, the father of my Maybell. Yes, yes. He escaped from you on the plea that he was an orphan, said Frederick. He did? breaks my heart to betray the honoured father of the girl I adore, but as your apprentice I have no alternative. It is my duty to tell you that General Stanley is no orphan. What? More than that, he never was one. Am I to understand, said the Pirate King, that to save his contemptible life he dared to practice on our credulous simplicity? Frederick nodded and began to weep. The pirate king gnashed his pearly white teeth. Our revenge shall be swift and terrible. We will go and collect our band and attack Tremorden Castle this very night. But stay, not a word. He is doomed. And the king and Ruth both sang together, Away, away, my heart's on fire. I burn this base deception to repay. This very night my vengeance dire shall glut itself in gore. Away, away. And Frederick sang, Away, away, ere I expire. I find my duty hard to do today. My heart is filled with anguish dire. It strikes me to the core. Away, away. 
With falsehood foul, he tricked us of our brides, said the king. Let vengeance howl. The pirate so decides our nature stern, he softened with his lies. And in return, tonight the traitor dies. And they all sang, yes, yes, tonight the traitor dies. Tonight he dies, said Ruth. Yes, or early tomorrow. His girls, likewise, they will welter in sorrow, said Ruth. The one soft spot in their natures they cherish, and all who plot to abuse it shall perish. And they all three sang, Tonight he dies. The parrot king and Ruth departed. Frederick threw himself on a stone in blank despair, and Mabel came up to him. All is prepared. Your gallant crew await you. My Frederick in tears? It cannot be that lion-heart quails at the coming conflict. No, Mabel, no, said Frederick. A terrible disclosure has just been made. Mabel, my dearly loved one, I bound myself to serve the pirate captain until I reached my one-and-twentieth birthday. But you are twenty-one, said Mabel. I have just discovered, said Frederick, that I was born in leap year, and that birthday will not be reached by me. He counted on his fingers, on one hand, and then the other. Till nineteen forty! Oh, horrible, said Mabel. Catastrophe appalling! And so farewell, said Frederick. No, no! Ah, Frederick, hear me. And Mabel made her case to him. Stay, Frederick, stay. They have no legal claim. No shadow of a shame will fall upon thy name. Stay, Frederick, stay. But Frederick responded, Nay, Mabel, nay. Tonight I quit these walls. The thought my soul appalls. But when stern duty calls, I must obey. Stay, Frederick, stay. Nay, Mabel, nay. They have no claim. But duty's name said Frederick. The thought my soul appalls. But when stern duty calls, stay, Frederick, stay. I must obey. Mabel continued. Ah, leave me not to pine alone and desolate. No fate seemed fair as mine, no happiness so great, and nature, day by day, has sung in accents clear this joyous roundelay. He loves thee, he is here, for la la la, for la la la. He loves thee. He is here, for la la la, for la. Ah, said Frederick, must I leave thee here, in endless night, to dream, where joy is dark and drear, and sorrow all supreme? where nature day by day will sing in altered tone this weary roundelay. He loves thee. He is gone. Fa-la-la-la. He loves thee. He is gone. Fa-la-la-la. In 1940, I of age shall be. I'll then return and claim you. I declare it. It seems so long said Mabel. Swear that till then you will be true to me. Yes, said Mabel. I'll be strong. By all the Stanleys dead and gone, I swear it. 
and they take each other's hands and sing together. Oh, here is love, and here is truth, and here is food for joyous laughter. He will be faithful to his sooth, till we are wed and even after. Oh, here is love. And they sang it over again and again, until finally Frederick rushed to the window and leapt out. Mabel almost fainted. No, I am brave. Oh, family descent, how great thy charm, thy sway, how excellent. Come one and all, undaunted men in blue, a crisis now, affairs are coming too. And the police came up, still marching in a single file, their sergeant leading the march, with the police singing Tarantara as often as they could. Though in body and in mind we are timidly inclined, and anything but blind to the danger that's behind, Tarantara, yet when the danger's near we manage to appear, Tarantara, as insensible to fear as anybody here, Tarantara, Tarantara. Sergeant, approach. Young Frederick, was to have led you to death and glory, said Maybell. That is not a pleasant way of putting it, said the sergeant. No matter, he will not so lead you, for he has allied himself once more with his old associates. He has acted shamefully. You speak falsely. You know nothing about it. He has acted nobly. He has acted nobly. Dearly as I loved him before, his heroic sacrifice to his sense of duty has endeared him to me tenfold. But if it was his duty to constitute himself my foe, it is likewise my duty to regard him in that light. He has done his duty, I will do mine. Go ye and do yours. And Maybell left them to do their duty. Right-o, said the police, and this is perplexing. We cannot understand it at all said the police. Still, as he is actuated by a sense of duty, said the sergeant, that makes a difference, of course. All the same time, we repeat, we cannot understand it at all. No matter, our course is clear. We must do our best to capture these pirates alone. It is most distressing to us to be the agents whereby our erring fellow creatures are deprived of that liberty which is so dear to us all, but we shouldn't have thought of that before we joined the force. We should. It is too late now. It is. And the sergeant and the police began to describe their plight. When a felon's not engaged in his employment, his employment, or maturing his felonious little plans, two plans, his capacity for innocent enjoyment, enjoyment, is just as great as any honest man's, honest man's. Our feelings we with difficulty smother, guilty smother, when constabulary duties to be done, to be done. Ah, take one consideration with another, with another. A policeman's lot is not a happy one. Ah, when constabulary duties to be done, to be done. A policeman's lot is not a happy one, be one. When the enterprising burglar's not a burgling, not a burgling. When the cutthroat isn't occupied in crime, bide in crime, he loves to hear the little brook a gurgling, brook a gurgling, and listen to the merry village chime, village chime. When the coster's finished jumping on his mother, on his mother, he loves to lie a basking in the sun, in the sun. Ah, uh, take one consideration with another, with another. 
a policeman's lot is not a happy one. Ah, when constabulary duties to be done, to be done, a policeman's lot is not a happy one, happy one. And the enthusiastic policemen shook hands, while the more disconsolate of them patted each other on the back, seeking consolation. When suddenly they heard from the distance a chorus of pirates. A rollicking band of pirates we, who tired of tossing on the sea, are trying their hand at burglary, with weapons grim and gory. Hush, hush, I hear them on the manor approaching. With stealthy step the pirates are approaching, said the sergeant. And they heard the pirates again. We are not coming for plate or gold, a story General Stanley's told. We seek a penalty fiftyfold for General Stanley's story. They seek a penalty fiftyfold. We seek a penalty fiftyfold. They seek a penalty fiftyfold for General Stanley's story. They come in force, said the sergeant, with stealthy stride. Our obvious course is now to hide. To run ta said the police and they all went and hid themselves among the ruins of the chapel. And the pirates crept closer, and we saw Ruth and Frederick appeared at a ruined window. They entered through it cautiously, and they came down to the boulders at the front. Samuel was laden with a big bag full of burglarious tools and pistols. Then the pirates sang a song as loud as they possibly could, with cat-like tread upon our prey we steal, In silence dread our cautious way we feel. No sound at all, we never speak a word, A fly's footfall would be distinctly heard. And the police sang tarantara, tarantara, Like the heartbeat of the night. The pirates continued, So stealthily the pirate creeps, While all the household soundly sleeps. Come, friends who plough the sea, Truce to navigation, take another station. Let's vary piracy with a little burglary. Tarantara, tarantara. And Samuel came forward and opened his big bag. Here's your crowbar and your centerbit, your life preserver. <laughs> you may want to hit your silent matches, your dark lantern sees. Take your file and your skeletonic keys. Tarantara. And the pirates continued, with cat-like tread upon our prey we steal, tarantara, in silence dread, our cautious way we feel. And they sang their song of stealth over and over, until they saw a light inside the manor house. Hush, hush, said Frederick, not a word, I see a light inside. The Major General comes, so quickly, hide. Yes, yes, the pirate said, the Major General comes. Yes, yes, the Major General comes, said the police. Yes, yes, the Major General comes, said the Major General, opening the door to the manor house in his dressing gown, carrying a light. Tormented with the anguish dread of falsehood unatoned, said the Major General, I lay upon my sleepless bed and tossed and turned and groaned. The man who finds his conscience ache no peace at all enjoys. And as I lay in bed awake, I thought I heard a noise. He thought he heard a noise! Ha ha! said the pirates. I thought I heard a noise. 
Now, all is still, in dale, on hill. My mind is set at ease, so still the scene. It must have been the sighing of the breeze. The general continued. Sighing softly to the river comes the lovely breeze, setting nature all a-quiver, rustling through the trees. Through the trees, said the man. And the brook, said the Major General, in rippling measure laughs for very love, while the poplars in their pleasure wave their arms above. Yes, the trees for very love wave their leafy arms above, said the men. And they all sang together, River, river, little river, may thy loving prosper ever. Heaven speed thee, poplar tree, may thy wooing happy be. Yet... The breeze is but a rover, when he wings away, brook and poplar mourn a lover, sighing well a day. Well a day, said the men. Ah, the doing and undoing that the rogue could tell. When the breeze is out a wooing, who can woo so well? Shocking tales the rogue could tell. Nobody can woo so well, said the pirates. And they all sang together. Pretty brook, Thy dream is over, for thy love is but a rover, Sad the lot of poplar trees, courted by the fickle breeze. And while in contemplation of nature and its vagaries, The Major General's daughters came in, led by Maybell, All in white peignoirs and nightcaps, and carrying lighted candles. Now what is this, and what is that? And why does father leave his rest at such a time of night as this, so very incompletely dressed? Dear father is, and always was, the most methodical of men. It's his invariable rule to go to bed at half-past ten. What strange occurrence can it be that calls dear father from his rest, at such a time of night as this, so very incompletely dressed? Suddenly the king, Samuel, and Frederick rise from their hiding-places. "'Forward, my men,' said the pirate king, "'and seize that general there. "'His life is over.' "'And they seized him. "'The pirates, the pirates, oh, despair!' said the girls. "'And the pirates agreed, as they sprang from their hiding-places everywhere. "'Yes, we're the pirates, so despair.' "'Frederick here,' said the general. "'Oh, joy, oh, rapture, summon your men and effect their capture.' "'Frederick, save us!' "'Beautiful Maybell, I wish if I could, but I am not able,' said Frederick. "'He's telling the truth, he is not able,' said the pirates. "'The pirate king approached Major Stanley. "'With base deceit you worked upon our feelings. "'Revenge is sweet, and flavours all our dealings. "'With courage rare, and resolution manly, "'for death prepare, unhappy General Stanley.' "'Is he to die, unshriven, unannealed?' said Mabel. "'Oh, spare him! Will no one in his cause a weapon wield? Oh, spare him!' The police sprung up from their hiding-places. "'Yes, we are here, though hitherto concealed.' "'Oh, rapture!' "'So, to constabulary, pirates, yield!' "'Oh, rapture!' said the girls. And a struggle ensued between the pirates and the police. Ruth tackled the sergeant. Eventually, the police were completely overcome, and they fell prostrate, the pirates standing over them with drawn swords. The pirates sang, 
we triumph now, for well we trow your mortal careers cut short. No pirate band will take its stand at the central criminal court. The police, however, sang, You triumph now, for well we trow our mortal careers cut short. No pirate band will take its stand at the central criminal court. It's basically the same thing. The police sergeant wriggled up to his knees and announced, To gain a brief advantage you've contrived, but your proud triumph will not be long-lived. The pirate king pointed his sword at him. Don't say you are orphans, for we know that game. On your allegiance we've a stronger claim, said the sergeant. We charge you yield. We charge you yield in Queen Victoria's name. The pirate king was baffled. You do? We do, said the police. We charge you yield in Queen Victoria's name. The pirates, overcome with patriotism, knelt, and the police stood over them triumphantly. We yield at once, said the pirate king, with humbled mien, because with all our faults we love our queen. Yes, yes, with all their faults they love their queen. And everyone agreed, yes, yes, with all their faults they love their queen. And the police, holding the pirates by the collar, took out their handkerchiefs and wept into them. Away with them, said the Major General, and place them at the bar. But then suddenly Ruth came up to them. One moment, let me tell you who they are. They are no members of the common throng. They are all noble men who have gone wrong. And the pirates all perked up at this. They are all noble men who have gone wrong. The Major General took in this information gladly. No, Englishman, unmoved that statement hears, because with all our faults we love our house of peers. And whatever pirates were left standing now knelt on two knees. I pray you pardon me, ex-pirate king. Peers will be peers, and youth will have its fling. Resume your ranks and legislative duties, and take my daughters, all of whom are beauties. And all of his daughters began singing, Poor wandering ones, though ye have surely strayed, take heart of grace, your steps retrace, poor wandering ones, poor wandering ones. If such poor love as ours can help you find true peace of mind, why take it, it is yours. And Frederick took Mabel by the hands, and Ruth took the police sergeant by the hands, and the pirate king took Edith by the hands, and they all continued to sing poor wandering ones over and over until they found a doctor of divinity which resided in the vicinity. This is B.J. Harrison. I hope you've enjoyed this unabridged production of The Pirates of Penzance, Part 2 of 2, by W.S. Gilbert. If you've enjoyed this book, please become a monthly supporter by going to ClassicTalesAudiobooks.com. Donate $5 a month, 
and get a monthly coupon code for $8 off anything in the store. Give more and you get more. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for joining me today and allowing classic literature to awaken your better self. Please join me every week and we'll rediscover the greatest stories ever put to paper. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 